Hello, and welcome to A Mindframe, where shift happens, where we talk to people who've experienced extreme circumstances and have overcome them and had a shift in perception that allows them to live happier lives. My name is Robert Solomon, and I'm your host. I'm not a mental health professional. However, I have experienced quite a bit of mental health struggle and I have a lot of mental health issues in my family. This podcast is not meant to be a substitute for professional help, but a place where people can come and listen to an inspiring triumph of the spirit stories. All our episodes are recorded via Zoom, so please excuse any audio issues. In today's episode, we're talking to Dinesh, a quadriplegic ER doctor living in Australia who is just an exceptional example of perseverance. I'm so excited to welcome this next guest. He's an incredible man. He's gone through more than what most people could even imagine, and he still has an amazing outlook on life. Dinesh, I am honored to have you on this podcast, and I know that there are so many people out there that could learn so much from you. Bobby, thank you so much for having me. I've, uh, I've been looking forward to this for a while, and uh, I'm excited. Ah, we're just really thrilled to have you here with us. Um, Dinesh, why don't you uh, introduce us to you? I am an ER doctor from Gold Coast in Australia. I work in the busiest ER in the country. I'm also a lawyer and a disability advocate and a researcher. In 2010, when I was halfway through medical school, I experienced a motor vehicle accident. I broke my neck and lost function below the chest uh, and also my fingers. So life changed in a very big way for me then. Uh, but I put life back together, came back to medical school, and this is now my fifth year as a doctor. But the other cool thing that has come out of this is twofold, I suppose. I have a research lab at Griffith University here in Australia where I am uh, experimenting on myself at the moment. And the goal behind that is to stand up again and to use my hands. So we're going to be running a clinical trial next year. Wow. So yeah, that's pretty exciting. Uh, and the other thing is just changing what the world looks like for people with disabilities. Is disability really is a social construct. So even though um, I might have physical differences to the way my body used to be, a lot of the challenges that I have experienced are as a result of society and the way we uh, see people with disabilities. So that's one of the other things that I get to make a contribution to today. And I love life. Life is good. Uh, life is beautiful. Life is amazing. Every day is a gift. And that's me really in a nutshell. That is hardly a nutshell. That is a huge beach ball. It's, it's truly amazing. Like you just feel so practical and grounded and present. And when that happened, I'm sure you were just in full on shock and disbelief and panic. And to get from that place of brokenness, let's say, to a place where you are right now is just a remarkable. And I think that I'm getting the chills when I say that. Oh man, it's actually surreal. It's surreal because so much has happened during that time. Uh, and to be here today 
it's just incredible. It, it feels unreal. Oh, I can't even imagine. I don't want to dwell on this, but I would love to um, hear just a little bit more about the accident and, and your journey. So would you mind going into that? I was driving along a highway and my car aquaplaned and it rolled from nose to tail, uh, not side to side, which is a really weird mechanism. Yeah. So it was flipping through the air front to back. That's violent. Oh, man, it was so violent. I, I, everything was just exploding, the glass, the things were flying around the cabin. And, you know, uh, we, we talk about mindfulness and meditation these days. So I like to say that this was my most ultimate mindfulness moment because while I was hanging there upside down in a flying car, I thought, man, I'm pretty scared right now, but uh, I have to try to reframe this moment <laughs> and try to think of it differently. So I decided that I would think of it as a roller coaster. And uh, for the last little while of the car rolling, I decided to have fun. That is nothing. Like, there are many things that I could have predicted hearing from you, but that is ridiculous to me that in that moment that that's where your head went. That's amazing. I know, right? I was like, even now, I'm like, man, that's, uh, that is pretty, pretty nuts. <laughs> so for the last little while, while the car was spinning and rolling, I was just like, woo. <laughs> and then uh what after what seemed like forever the car landed and it was upright and uh you know when something happens and then suddenly it's dead silent i tried to get out of the car and i realized that i couldn't move anymore and i realized that i couldn't feel anything below the chest and then I also realized that my fingers were not working. So that's when I knew the worst had happened. And it's when I knew that my life had changed forever. And I started freaking out because, I mean, that's a pretty big deal, right? Like, oh, my Jesus. God. Like, freaking yeah. out is an understatement. And you can't move. You can't get out of it. I can't get out of it. I can't move. I'm stuck there. I was like, God. So that, that's how my life changed. Within seconds, everything changed in a way that I never imagined. And the, the thing is, too, I think there are sliding doors moments. It's serendipitous, really, because I wasn't going to be on that stretch of road at that time that night. Mm -hmm. I was uh, going to be driving a different car. Like I had, There were all these different things, but there I was in that moment, at that time, in that place, through a series of events. And we think I hit a tiny little water puddle or a little bit of oil. Like that hit the probability of that happening. Crazy to think about, you know? And the probability that, that things don't happen to us every day more. You know what I mean? Like we walk around just blissfully, like assuming nothing is ever gonna happen. And I think you have to, to have a certain amount of sanity, I guess. But that goes, you know, I believe you need to cherish the moment and the present because you don't know what's going to happen in the future. But it really is mind blowing to think of all the different events that had to happen to get you exactly there. And then all the moments, if the bigger picture is to get you here. Yep. 
you know, this podcast is, is all about kind of turning point moments and, mm. and shift in the, in the mind. And they could be little things and, or they could be huge things. It's like you could be, you know, not being able to get out of bed, let's say in a day because you're in, de in a depression. And then all of a sudden someone gives you a call that you haven't spoken to in a while. They don't know that you're depressed. They don't know anything. And you have a little laugh about something that happened ages ago. And it just reminds you of life in a different way. And then that kind of puts you in a different place and gives you more time. It's all about time, right? You just need to get through the pain and through the shit. And then you can achieve or get to a place where you're, you're in the light. And I just value that shift in perception. So I'd love to hear just some of your internal experiences and some of those moments that you find really kind of helped you along this journey. Yeah. So I know we, we've spoken about the spinal cord injury and the car accident, but I'm just going to wind back a little bit um, to before that. When I um, finished high school and whatever else, I was thinking about what to do with my life. I started my journey in law school. And when I was in law school, I became depressed. And depression is a very insidious thing, I think, because until it creeps up on you, and until it's too late, you often don't realize that you've been feeling low for a period of time. You don't realize that you've become withdrawn. You don't realize that you haven't been doing the things that you enjoy. And um, then suddenly I started to feel anxious. So I get panic attacks. And then I got agoraphobic where I was too afraid to go outside the house. So this was an extremely dark period in my life. And uh, I was withdrawn from the world. I was withdrawn from my friends. Uh, I academically suffered. I couldn't keep down a job, relationships, everything. So it was extremely dark. And I don't think I knew for a long time that I was depressed. I don't think a lot of people do. You know, it takes some time to get that insight. And I only realized it very late. And also my uh, doctor told me, do you think that you're depressive? That's when we started talking about it. The way I got out of that um, or found my way into the light from that was to find purpose and to find a reason and to find my why. And for me, that's been medicine. Can we stop one second? I yep. just want to go over something because I think it's, this is one of the things that I, that I hope to achieve in this is you found the why. Yep. I want to know how you found the why. I want to know what took you from that depression to get to a place where you're trying to get out. And how was it the why that came to you? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. That's a really good question. You know, um, when, I was a, when I was in high school, I applied to go to the Air Force because I thought that would, that would be a cool thing, right? And the Air Force had a, a psychology assessment and the psychologist was asking, why do you want to go to the Air Force? And I gave him a bunch of answers. And he's like, that's really superficial. You're not really telling me a why. And I never understood it. Like, I was like, what do you mean? Like, I just want to come to the Air Force. Like, yeah, get off me. I'm helping the yeah, country. Yeah, come on, man. Yeah. So <laughs> I never really understood it. I'm like, why is this guy hassling me so much? But um. Then I, I actually understood it much later. So when I was going through this process, I think in life, you get to a point where you have so many superficial layers added onto your core being. 
And I think I was at a point where, particularly going through law school, I had a lot of friends that were, or a lot of people around me that were very materialistic and superficial. So I got really caught up in that. And I was existing in that kind of company. And I think I had all these layers added on top where I was thinking about how much money I would earn, or what kind of job I would get, what kind of house I would live in. So I had all these different things that probably took away from who I was internally. And when I became depressed, I think all those layers started to become stripped away bit by bit. And I was able to think about what's actually really important to me, what resonated with my heart. And I thought about it a lot. Like I was like, you know, what, what is, what is a meaningful life? And I thought a meaningful life is probably when you get to the end of it, when you can look back and feel fulfilled by how you lived your life. And so I thought about it more and I thought, what, what, what would that look like for me? And at the same time, I was, I was seeing doctors. I was interacting with hospitals. And I thought, man, these guys are doing an amazing job because they're changing people's lives. And my mom, she likes to say that uh, by helping one person, you may not change the world, but you'll change the world for them. Mm. And I thought, this, this, this is what it means. This would be happiness for me. If I could do this for someone, if I could just touch one life in my entire career, then I think that would be a life well lived. And that's how I found the why. So uh, that was my reason. I just, that energized me, that thought, that idea. And, and so, and my whole world is changing. I could see the colors again. I could smell things. I could interact with people. And I, I, I realized that people matter. You know, like people really matter, humans matter, the people around us, the world around us. It's what we think about the least these days, isn't it? Like we're all about how much we can get on social media, how many likes or how many possessions or the new car or how much money or whatever else. But it's really like, it's really about what we can give and um, what we can do for the community and what we can leave for the world. That's happiness. So it was really like a combination of all those thoughts and realizations that led me to find a why. And that was, that was it. So that's amazing. You know, obviously kind of medication and, and is kind of controversial these days. Everyone has a different opinion. I'm just curious to know in, in your depression, did you have medication to help you through it and to see clarity? So this is not my medical opinion by any means. So I, I was prescribed some medication. I chose not to take the medication at the time because uh, I thought that I still needed to change who I was. Like, I, not who I was, but I needed to change direction. And I think that was really a core of the problem. I needed to do something with my life where I was more in touch with me and something that resonated with me. So I decided to do that first before I resorted to medication or anything like that. Because I think while, while antidepressants um, play a big role, there's still a task for a person to do when they're going through these things. And that's to do some soul searching and that's to change thought patterns and that's to start thinking about life a little bit differently, which is what I did. That's great. You said you were speaking to a psychologist who, you know, 
started the dialogue or opened up the possibility. But I feel like a lot of people walk around with with shame when they when they get to that point that's too far where they're depressed, where maybe they're having kind of, you know, scary thoughts of being unsure of why they choose to remain on this earth. And they feel like very uncomfortable to talk about that with people. But I think from talking to a lot of people who experience that, and I've experienced a lot in my life, and I've been there, and you're afraid to tell someone because you don't want them to worry about you. And then you also feel ashamed because how could you be that weak in your mind? Yeah. And it's like, that's the only thing, really. I mean, there's a lot of things, but talking to someone about it and being open about your pain is one of the ways to kind of help get through it. Did you have that experience with someone other than your therapist? So this was nearly 20 years ago. And I think around that time, uh, these issues were still a bit stigmatized and a little bit taboo. The friends I had around me, I spoke to them, but I don't think they really understood. I've since been around people that have gone through the same thing. And I think it can be a hard experience for the people around them as well. You desperately want the person you care about to be better, but not having that insight and not being able to connect, it's just such a hard journey. And I think people end up becoming more and more isolated because the people around them fall off from frustration, which certainly happened to me. Um, and I think it can be a very lonely journey because of that. Unless you've been through it, it's very hard to understand. Why isn't this person just make a choice and come out for dinner? <laughs> and they just leave the house. They're feeling down all the time. Like, are they anxious? So simple. If they just leave the house, they're going to be happy. Don't they know that? Exactly. Unless you've been through it, you just don't know about it. Yes, totally. So then, um, so you, you came out of this, you had a new perspective on life, basically. Um, all of a sudden, the gray glasses were gone and the ultra color is back, maybe even brighter than it was before. And then tell me about what happened kind of next. Yeah, so then I finished studying law. I got into medical school. And it was a whole different life. Like I felt like a new person and I felt like I found my purpose and I was having the time of my life. Life was so good. Every day I got up and I uh, looked outside my window. I saw the ocean, I saw the sun and I thought, man, how can life get any better than this? And then a car accident happened. You know, the thing is you never, ever, ever know what tomorrow has in store for you. And one of the things I often think about is um, just before the accident happened, one of my best friends, he was talking to me about going to Japan on a snowboarding trip. And I was like, oh man, no, I can't. Uh, I have to put it on my credit card. Like I don't wanna, still a student then, you know, should I be doing some more study at this time or whatever? Anyway, he kept uh, telling me and telling me and telling me and then, then I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to throw this on my credit card. I'm going to go to Japan with my friend. So to this day, he said that it's the greatest trip of his life. And he had a great time. And then um, I think it was two or three weeks later, I had the car accident. So the reason I say that is because we often, you, you, you were talking to me earlier about being in the moment and being present. 
how often do we let the present float on by, right? Mm -hmm. This moment that we have, this precious, precious moment that we have right now, how often do we let that go and how often do we let it pass? I nearly let that opportunity with my friend pass. If I knew that that was the last time until now or until whenever that I would stand on top of a mountain and feel the snow fall on my face with one of my best friends, I think that decision would have been pretty easy, wouldn't it? You never know what happens tomorrow. And I think you've got to seize every opportunity, seize the day. Even in the ER today, um, when I, where I work, often I see people coming with catastrophic things happen to them that they, they wouldn't have known when they woke up in the morning that was going to happen. They wouldn't, but it does. And we see like three, 400 patients a day sometimes. So I had the car accident a couple of weeks after that trip. And um, it made me realize that tomorrow is never guaranteed. And what tomorrow looks like is never guaranteed. What was the journey like coming through what you went through? If you can remember any moments that particularly... The spinal cord injury, like initially, I couldn't breathe. I was ventilated. I had a line that kept my heart going and my blood pressure maintained. And I had tubes coming out everywhere. I couldn't eat. I was in the hospital for like eight months. And that is not a good place to be because I went from being a 25-year-old guy living by myself I mean, the time of my life to sharing a room with three other guys having spinal cord injuries as well, going through the hardest time of their life. And the environment wasn't even physically nice. Like it was dark. It was old. It was a building from like the 60s or 70s. We had to share a bathroom. And man, some mornings when I was taken in there, it was just filthy. Like there was just human waste everywhere. And I'm didn't get to choose when I woke up, when I went to bed. It was rough. Even things like with a spinal cord injury, right? Your ability to control your body temperature is lost Mm. because the skin doesn't work like it used to. So in winter, like I was just shivering all the time. And so just having to deal with all that stuff. You just need a break. And now it goes to shivering. I know. So all those physical things, but also the social things, you know, like money became a huge problem. My mom and dad split up and I lost friends and everything became a struggle. It was a dark, 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 difficult time. But you keep going, you know, you keep going and you're uh, just hoping for hoping for a better day. Yeah. One of the cool things was, have you ever heard of the poem Invictus? Yeah. One of my friends hung it up by my bedside. And so I could see Invictus all the time. So I used to look at that poem. I'm like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to bow down to this. I'm going to keep going. It was amazing. I know, right? And like, see, that's one of those things. Like I get the chills because it's like your friend could have been deciding between many things to do for you and decided on that that totally resonated with you and gave you a little bit of hope. Yeah. And to this day, like that poem has so much meaning for me, um, Invictus, because uh, no matter how dark it gets, I'll not bow down. And I'm the master of my fate. 
and the captain of my soul and just kept going, man. But got out of the hospital and then um, it was really after a period of time, it was just me and my mom. Everyone uh, kind of fell away and we were making our way through life. And there were some periods where we had no money. We didn't know where we were going to live the next day. We, we went through some pretty, pretty tough periods. But um, there was a lot of time that I spent laying in bed, immobile, without any help to get up. And I thought, you know what? I am going to reinvent myself and I'm going to come back better than I ever was. I'm going to be a better human being. I'm going to be stronger. I'm going to be awesome. And one of the stories that really resonated with me was the Count of Monte Cristo, mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, this guy, he got betrayed. He went to a prison on an island and he was stuck there and he escaped and came back and became the Count, rich and powerful and amazing. Uh, he took revenge on everyone, which is not something that I was thinking about so okay. much. Maybe revenge on Maybe life. a couple of people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but... Um, so that, that really struck a chord with me. And so like I read all these books mm -hmm. during that time about um, philosophy, religion, people, and I read all these biographies because I had time, right? I was just laying in a bed. So I spent that time reinventing myself. I came back to medical school and my approach to life and medicine was completely different. And I graduated and... Um, here I am five years later talking to you mm -hmm. and it's been, it's been a good journey, but you know, I think we go through hard times in life, but we have to see those hard times as opportunities because they are. And I think those hard times make us better because you can't make a sword unless you put steel in fire, melt it and then beat it to be sharp and strong. <laughs> Good. Yeah, that steel doesn't want to go in that fire. It no, it doesn't. doesn't. Get beaten, but look yeah. at what it turns into. Turns into a shiny, powerful sword. So that's how I think about it. You got to go through hardship, and you come out of it strong. Which is, you know, that obviously makes sense. But not everyone has that ability at every point in their lives. I believe everyone has that ability, but it's one of those things that it, it's like a timing thing. You know, it's like the right time, the right place, the right circumstance that all of a sudden shifts you into a person who's basically saying kind of platitudes or basically repeating a self-help book to someone who is the self-help book. I've never put it that way, but it really is that you have to believe it in your core that this is going to make you a better person. And people go through atrocities. I mean, you look at people in concentration camps or prison camps in the war, and they somehow make it through. And like, can we just bottle that, you know, can we bottle what you have and just drink it? And then, well, that's what people try and do with alcohol, I guess. And it doesn't work, but yeah, man, it's like anything is possible. Yeah. And you're proof of it. Cause it's not, it wasn't going to happen in your body in that car to get, to walk out, but your brain had to figure out a way to not be bound by the body. Absolutely, man. I think that fire in the soul and that fire in the heart, that's what's important. It's not the physical thing. It's that fire. And that's what lights up the world. And I think, and that, that's what we feed off each other, right? Yeah. You know, no one, no one stays in their prime physical form forever. 
but your spirit and your soul that remains intact or you can let it die or you can put down that fire but it's there and it can be vibrant absolutely it's interesting because i started this podcast really hyper focused on like you and your physical journey and what you've gone through and wanting to learn how you got through that mentally and then i had forgotten about your depression and where you were at before you know and I apologize for that because there that's you. All that is you. And I was just focusing on on this part of your life. Oh no, that's fine. But I, I think it's also relevant to the physical thing that came about because um I think it prepared me mm-hmm. for what was to come to be because after the after the spinal cord injury happened, I don't think that I've been depressed not uh, definitely not the way I was and so I'm, I'm really grateful for having that experience previously because it was able to give me the mental fortitude to keep going through this or at least the experience and you know the thing is I think about having a spinal cord injury now where my body is significantly different right we call it paralysis but the depression was far more paralyzing than the spinal cord injury was. And that, yeah, that that's a, to me, that was a really interesting realization because it makes you think that the mind is really the most important thing, right? If we have a powerful mind, if our soul is free, then it doesn't matter. A friend of mine this morning actually said, it doesn't even matter if you're a floating head in a bottle. Uh, visual i know right (laughs) which um which i feel is true you know like obviously the spinal cord injury is very very tough but the depression was just something else because i was stuck in my head it's prison of my mind ah love this convo um i like to kind of wrap up the um the interviews with with a couple questions so what what would you say you are most grateful for in life so many things to be grateful for you know like my mom my mom is an amazing woman she's told me so much about strength and resilience and patience and tenacity um i'm grateful for where i live grateful for the job that I get to do, I'm grateful for my education. Like I'm grateful for so many things. Like I, I, and I think gratitude is incredibly important because if you just stop for thirty seconds and take stock of all the different things that you've got to, be, you can be grateful for. I think it just puts a different lens on what the world looks like. It's so simple what you just said, and often in life, simplicity is like the answer and the truth. And it's just, it's just perfect. I loved your answer. It really is more inspirational than someone who, you know, were to pontificate for 20 minutes about all the ups and downs and whatever's. It's just, that's your essence, it feels like. And that's just amazing to, to, to see and to hear. And then if you could say one thought, one sentiment to someone who's hopeless, what would you like to express to that person? You know, if you're feeling hopeless, um, I could say so many things, but uh, you're probably going through something where you feel that no one 
understand. And maybe unless someone has been in your shoes, they probably won't understand what you're going through. But what I can say is that life is all about ups and downs. Everything is impermanent. And that's one of the core tenets of the Buddhist philosophy, which is a religion that I was born into, actually. But impermanence means that when we're having a rough day and when we're down in the pits, that is going to be impermanent. So there's going to be a better day around the corner or a better moment. So know that this point in time, this point of hopelessness is impermanent and time will go by and there will be a better day around the corner. When you do get that better day, and when there is happiness, cherish that, because that too is impermanent. And we have to seize the moments where we're on top of the world and when we're happy. And uh, you just got to keep going. As hard as it is sometimes, you just got to keep going and see the opportunity and challenges to grow. And uh, if you're having a hopeless moment, just know that... Uh, there are people that have made it out and you too can make, make it out. And please just uh, have hope. That's beautiful. I might let you tell me another word of wisdom because that was so, no. <laughs> that, was <laughs> that was fantastic. And you know, it is, I love the fact that our conversation has gone like up and down with laughs and with like deep moments and with hard moments and, but there's still, there's humor. It doesn't have to be all dark and gloom. Even when you're dark and gloom, there are happy moments or there are moments that you can just brighten your eyes a little bit. And, um, and our conversation is, is proof of that. Like what you've gone through, it's amazing when you can just shift your perception and let in a little light or let in a little laughter or let someone in, be vulnerable, like let someone in and who knows what will happen. Man, you got to laugh. You got to laugh. <laughs> and it reminds me of uh, Depeche Mode. And I think that God's got a sixth sense of humor. And when I die, I leave him laughing. <laughs> anyway, I'm a terrible singer. That's not what I was put on this earth to do. But I always think of that. And, uh, and it's true, man. You got to laugh. And uh, yeah, I, I, unless you want to say anything else, I really, you know, I appreciate you being part of this. I appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate you bringing up the depression and mental illness. And um, it's such a, there is a negative stigma still. Things are better now, but there is a real negative stigma against people who are going through rough times. People are scared of it. Just like people are scared of people with disabilities. You know, they're uncomfortable. They don't know how to deal with it. And I'm hoping that this, that our conversation you know, and my convert and this, the conversation of this show can just like take down the walls a little bit. We're all people. We're all people. We're all people. And thanks for, thanks for taking down the walls, man. <laughs> all right. Well, you have a wonderful evening and, and thank you so much for being part of this. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Bobby. It's been awesome. Take care. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and are inspired by our guest. If you want to find out more about us, our guests, and some potentially helpful information that might speak to you at the moment, please visit our website at www 
www.mindframeshift.podbean.com and check us out on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn at mindframeshift, all one word. If you or someone you know is in crisis, please call the Crisis Support National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 or text NAMI at 741-741 to connect with a trained crisis counselor to receive free 24-7 crisis support via text message or call the NAMI Healthline at 1-800-950-NAMI. That's 6264 for free mental health information, referrals, and support. Thank you very much again for listening. And remember, shift happens.